Hi there, and welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here as always with our panel, starting with uh, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat, makers of the imminently released Revolution 60 for iOS, Brianna Wu. How are you doing? What's crackalackin'? So you're close, huh? Uh, we're very close. I saw close. you posting on Twitter that you're uh, you're getting ready to ship. We uh, we're we're figuring out a few more things in the credits, like trying to tweak the lighting and things like that. Um, but we we ironed out a major bug uh, this week. Um, it's it's really just practically ready to hit the button and send out the door. So um, we are we're losing our minds. <laughs> we're losing our minds a little bit. But you're okay. You're okay to record. Yeah, right? you're not gonna, yeah. I'm not, I'm not crazy <laughs> yet. Uh, give me a little longer. But no, it's um, you know, it's part of development. Like it's you have poured all of yourself into a project for this long, and to have it ending, it's kind of a, it's. It's it's a very strange moment. It's hard to describe. Don't don't think of it as ending. Think of it as beginning to answer all the support emails from people who can't figure out how to <laughs> Well, work that's the up game. to my engineering team. So, <laughs> that's not my problem. Uh, we also have assistant games editor at Paste Magazine and uh, Bell of the Internet, Maddie Myers. How are you doing, Maddie? Bell of the Internet. Hi. I'm I think I'm more like the most hated person on the internet this morning. <laughs> oh. Or no. the most loved, the most that's notorious. It. That's it. We you're you, always my you. favorite person on the internet, generally speaking. Oh, yeah. oh I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. <laughs> I listened to, I that just was want to let that everybody painful. know I listened to a lot of Chameleon Air this week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> and we have a reviewer from iMore.com and host of the Zen and Tech podcast, Georgia Dow. How are you doing, Georgia? I'm trying to, I'm trying to speak. I'm wiping away the tears. It's okay. I'm okay. It's okay. You're Joy. still my favorite, Georgia. Oh, thank you, Steve. I feel better now. That was hard. Have, that was hard. We, we have equity again. It's it's okay. <laughs> everything everything is rebalanced now. All right. <laughs> so it's been a lifelong dream of mine since six episodes ago to. Um, <laughs> Technically, it's seven. To get Practically this, seven. Uh, to get uh, you know isometric to a wider audience, and I thought that you know with a lot of hard work and a lot of luck that you know we would get somebody like you know five by five and Dan Benjamin interested in us, and it just happened after six episodes. And I got this, you know, we basically got this call out of nowhere that you know they liked the show, they were you know interested in the work that we did, and I don't know how else to say it. We're moving to five by five, which we are just all stunned about. All right, how do you guys feel? My mind is blown. <laughs> I have been listening to Back to Work for many, many years, which is a podcast that Dan Benjamin hosts with Merlin. It's May. great. It's great. It is a great yeah. show. And I always had a lot of respect for 5 by 5 So the idea of me being on a show that is on that network is extremely cool yeah. to me. I mean, it so, is it's very mine. awesome. You could run into yeah. Merlin Mann at a party and what? that could happen <laughs> now. Like, yeah. yeah. That could really. You happen. need to brush up on your comic books. Yeah, you're really going to. Well, I guess you're you're all set with X Men anyway, so you're you're fine. Yeah, I'll just talk to him about X Men. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Merlin Man are going to be best friends. Edit that out. <laughs> why? Because it sounded creepy, or because it is creepy. It's not that's creepy. Why. It's, it's, it's not that it's, it's probably already creepy. Happened. It's that it it is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Factually, he's already been probably wanting to be your friend, Maddie, forever. He was probably just too shy. <laughs> That's true. true. That's a good point. Right. Merlin Mann has been a fan of mine for years, is what it right. is. And he was like 
Dan Benjamin, Maddie Myers is finally on a podcast. We've got to pick this up. That's he's what like, happened. In, he's in like my he, fantasy. Yeah, he's he's actually saying, God, I hope that Steve gets fired so I can take the token male position on right, this podcast. Right. You you guys are really trying to get rid of me yeah, really quickly. Yeah. No, we're not getting rid of you, Steve. We love you, Steve. That can't even happen. I'm, Who else would wear the panda suit? God, like all of a sudden a big contract and the knives come no, out. No, like, no. Good grief. No, no, no. Merlin, I'm loyal. Merlin no, it's not happening. Suit. I think. No. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I feel like Merlin isn't going to wear the, the mandatory isometric panda suit so that's the real problem you, you know the yeah. really weird thing is i mean when i was i was talking to dan and hattie you you know like we had a skype conversation together and it's so surreal to have a conversation with someone you've listened to for that many years you know like because you feel like you know them and they don't yeah. know anything about you so <laughs> yeah i mean normally i talk to dan benjamin and he doesn't answer right. me directly <laughs> So, I don't know. Yeah. I wanted to, as long as we're on the subject, I wanted to kind of tell a personal story about 5x5. Five five. And this is this is a real story about this network. You know, for me, when I was thinking about starting my company, Giant Space Cat, um, yeah, this was 2009, 2010. And I could see the indie gaming was kind of opening up. And I kind of wanted to get into that world. But yeah, my background is in journalism. It's not in computer science. It's not in development. And, you know, I found out about this network. And I started listening to all the development shows. I started listening to, you know, the talk show. I started listening to, um, you know, Marco's show, Build and Analyze. Uh, you know, certainly listened to Hypercritical. And for me, what was really important about that is there's a kind of language you get about development and how developers kind of think about things by hanging out with developers. And, you know, over the years, listening to these shows, um, you guys slowly started to absorb, you know, a functional literacy of the industry. And I kind of started to think about problems, how to solve them, and, you know, kind of understanding who was who in the industry. And it was, it was an education for me personally, that college just could not have given me. So, you know, for that reason, 5x5, five five is a, it, it really holds a special place in my heart. And, you know, to be associated with that in any way is just the biggest honor I can think of. I've got a pretty insane commute to work. I go 35 miles on oh, a mass pike between Central, Central Mass and Boston every day. Mm -hmm. Wow. And they have helped me kill a lot, a <laughs> lot of commutes. And a lot of time on commutes. Yeah. And, you know, it's just to, I've spent a lot of time listening to podcasts on that network and to be part of it is kind of surreal in, in a good way, yeah. but it's, it's, you know, kind of a whirlwind. Like I've, it's the last few days have been kind of bizarre, but in a, in like the most awesome way possible. Yeah. Yeah. I have a different kind of a story. Like to think that we started off this podcast as like a lark of something that we actually cared about yeah. and um, yeah. to, uh, you know, for all of us to do it and to enjoy it. And I did it because I, I had fun. I really enjoyed it. I loved speaking with you guys. I always felt, you know, that a podcast is good when after you're done it, you feel good and you enjoy yeah. it and you think about the things that everyone had said. And I think that it's amazing that it was picked up. It was picked up so, so quickly. I think that it's a testament to everyone here because I don't know any of you really. I did one <laughs> podcast with you, Brie, once yeah. and to have it work out so well, I, th I think it's just amazing. And, and people that have listened to it have said how wonderfully we speak with each other, how 
it, it seems like we've known each other for a really long time and that it, it's fluid and it's enjoyable and people enjoy the discussions that we have and it's something different. And so I love that. I think it's absolutely amazing. And I have to say, um, <laughs> I didn't think that we would, we would like after so few episodes, it would uh, really have taken such a nice effect. I think it's just amazing. I really do. I think that everyone should be really proud of uh, all the work they do as Steve for all of the yeah. massive amount of editings when I'm, I'm, laughing hysterically probably in the background <laughs> that you probably had to do i'm so sorry but um i think it's just amazing so yeah. i think we're we're all going to do our best to do you know dan and five by five proud and you know i think we've held ourselves to high standards all along the way but you know i know for me personally i'm going to redouble my efforts and you know we're really going to make the show the best that we can for the listeners and you know for the sponsors and just everyone and we're just delighted to have this opportunity Woo. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna keep wooing occasionally that's fun that's cool yeah, right that's if totally... we just put that into the show more more woos if woot sponsors us then that would be perfect <laughs> yeah it's part of it's part of our contract oh, i have to woo now you're, you're the woo girl yeah i am <laughs> you can you can woo me anytime maddie so uh i guess we should talk about some video games because that's what people tune in for so the steam sale kicked off uh right after we recorded the last episode and we're on a bit of a lag so uh are are we all do we all still have money in our bank accounts or (laughs) (laughs) buying a lot of steam games (laughs) um i've only bought two steam games so far so do i win so what did you do get? i win um i got a game that uh just a random woman on twitter suggested for me uh it was daisy um which i think sucks i don't think it's very good at all um and i got starbound which uh ends up being a kind of sequel to terraria um it's really 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 good it's really really well done it's also in a uh kind of pre-release state uh this is the first game i've played like that so it's kind of strange to play a game and to you know pay you know 15 dollars on steam which is a non-trivial amount of money and you know to have like joystick bindings not work um so it's kind of a it's a learning experience for sure Matt, did you get anything or um, yeah, my boyfriend thought that it would make sense to buy me a copy of Dark Souls. <gasps> oh, really? So, yeah, I guess I'm going to play Dark Souls now. I've been making fun of Dark Souls for so long that I feel that I deserve this and that this is my penance for having mocked it. And now I just need to play it and just accept my reward, my my Dark Soul-y reward. It's more of a punishment, isn't it? It wasn't on my wish list, but it's one of the very few games that my boyfriend actually plays. Um, wait, 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 taking, wait, 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 played, wait, 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 He is not done, and he has played it for 100 hours. Wait, so he gets motion sickness from, like, Kirby, and he... Steve, and- let me repeat this. <laughs> he is not done, and he's played it for 100 hours. Well, I can believe yeah. that. It is taking him a long time. <laughs> I'm I'm not making any value judgments here. But I'm letting you all know. Is it hard to watch? Are you just wanting to take the I don't watch him play it, Georgia. The answer to that question is I've never watched him play it and I don't plan to. But yeah. Does he have nerdy know, so. conversations with you at night like and then I got I lost point five humanity. I mean, does he Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds like talking mm-hmm. to Frank about baseball. Like <laughs> it just sounds bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I mean, it's fine. I, I think it's great. I mean, he plays very few games, but the few games that he plays, he gets extremely into. Wow. So, um, like, he played just Fez for a while. And then he played just Dark Souls. And right now it's Dark Souls. So um, he eventually got me Dark Souls. And I think that's like a sign that I need to get involved. So I'm going to give it a shot, everybody. All right. Not even Dark Souls 2. Although I hear that Dark Souls 2 actually is good. So I don't know. I played it for a couple hours and I... Uh, no. It wasn't... Well, it's not for me. I, I'm just going to... It's not for me. That's all I'm mm-hmm. going to say. Mm-hmm. I know... Don't... Please don't hate me. Just... <laughs> I know that Dark Souls people get very excited. If you were a developer of that game, call me and I will give you Steve's address and you can, you can yeah. take care of that. <laughs> uh, George, did you buy anything on, on, the sa- on the sale yet? I might have bought uh, one or two games. Um, I got Batman Arkham Origins. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. What? You didn't already have that? No. <laughs> No, oh I haven't. I, I now that I'm 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 doing isometric, I'm really spending my time playing video games. Where, like, I you know I go home usually and watch some like Game of Thrones and other stuff. So now I'm just playing more. Uh, gone home. Um, Acceptable. Aw- awesome yeah. knots. Not. Oh, no. I love oh, awesome knots. It's, it's cute, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna oh, have to I see. I love awesome knots. Uh, Borderlands Two. Cool. The Swapper. Huh. These are so many games. Wow. Okay, I love the swapper. I'm. I don't know how you're going to have time to play all of these. I. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, Grid two, and then oh, wow. I have one more game, but I'll mention that at the end, just because it's the game that oh, I'm going to try to get through. That you've actually been playing. Okay. okay. I've yeah. really been not, not just like well, I've, I've played Bat- Batman Arkham, but you know that I played a long time ago, and and uh-huh. so. Anyways, there's one more that I'll I'll talk about at the end just because of the traumatic experience I have with this game. Oh, so no. I'll save that for later. Oh, oh yes, Georgia. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was really traumatic. <laughs> okay. Was it Hannah Montana on PS3? <laughs> yeah. Is it is it Hannah Montana colon Dark Souls? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. It is not. No, it is not. That would be the best game. Oh, you know, I just saw an article somewhere about like this this like recycling center that's just got like uh, like tons and tons of recycled iCarly cartridges for the DS. Wow! Oh, that was great. And it's great. just like it's like just like these giant piles of like ET cartridges, but iCarly that they're just yeah. recycled and they're going to get like whatever the the amount of gold is out of the cartridge and recycle it. It's as though iCarly is the adorable alien of the current generation. Hmm. Yeah, iCarly released a song for Rock Band, which I really, really love, and I really still play all the time. And it's kind of embarrassing, because I'm an adult, but if you look at my most played songs list, like, iCarly is on there. Yeah, don't judge me. Is that the headphones on I love that song. We're judging. We're judging. No, I, I'm not judging. I've played. I've had to play that song a few times to uh, get through. It's that it's put me through the the tour mode yeah. and made me play it. That's yeah. So you're saying you were Steve forced? Steve only plays in the tour mode. That's the only time he's heard <laughs> yeah. that song. Dude, Steve I, I is. Pl- good I play at rock. rock I play rock. I play rock band. Fox only. Uh, no items. Final destination. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's. I I tell you the truth. So I want to start this story by saying I won the GSK rock band tournament. You know, like our team won, but. We were so lucky that Steve was, like, hindered. Saddled with my children on my team, is what you want to say. <laughs> Who destroyed his score because he would have devastated all of us. And we practiced ahead of time. So he's Steve really played good. with a penalty. Yeah, he did. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm. I play I I play guitar on expert. He's so really good. That's wow. my my one my one game that I'm, my one game that I'm actually good at. Wow, that's great. But uh so I only bought I only bought one game so far. Actually, I just bought I bought Nidhog. How do you, is that how you pronounce it? I have no idea. N I D H O G G. I still don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Nidhog. Is it Nidhog? Yeah. So, I haven't gotten a chance to play it, but I thought I've, it was uh, Nidhogen. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 pronounced Farfignugan, actually. <laughs> But I, I, well, of course, I just bought the PlayStation 4, so I'm not exactly in a, oh. in a huge spending mood. Oh, yeah. Mode, well, we can talk about that in the what have you been playing. Yes. Oh, oh we will. <laughs> we will. Oh, we will. Okay. <laughs> so this Steam sale situation, though, what is the deal with these teams? I, I don't understand. I read this article yeah. and I still yeah. don't yeah. understand. I, I don't understand either. So I'll, I'll there's... Some so I'm still trying to. I read the article and I still really don't understand what the hell's going on. Well, let's but, try to explain it for people who don't know anything about what okay. we're talking about. So, Steam randomly selected teams among the Steam subscribers. You've been placed on a team, and depending on how many games you buy, your score, your team score goes up. That's the loosest possible definition for what they did, right? Did they did they assign people to teams, or did they did people pick no, their no, own teams? No, no, it's completely teams? random. Okay. And and your team designation changes frequently, I think. I paid no attention to this because yeah. much like the Steam trading cards, yeah. I think that gamifying people's purchases is weird and makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. So I, it's not something I'm a fan of personally. I, I feel like but. for me, it's because I, I understand like on a, there's an actual science to you know, game development or, or game theory, like my friend Jenna Hofstein, like you'll go over to her house, she'll have whole books about this. And it, it feels like such a deliberate, it is, it's a deliberate trick yeah. to get you to spend more money. So I kind of very yeah. consciously say, I don't even want to know about this, because I will mm-hmm. get sucked into it. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah. I'll work for stickers. I'll definitely, I, you can gamify <laughs> anything and I want to win. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. So that's why I try not to engage with any of this stuff and just be like, nope, this is stupid. I'm not going to pay attention to it because if I get into it, then where does it go? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was my my getting sucked in sound effects. That was, I apologize. That was a Great. whirlwind <laughs> into which cash flew wildly. That's that's thank you. So it sounds like there was like some sort of like survivor alliance or something like that where everybody agreed that this was going to be the team that they were going to be on like that mm-hmm. day and they were uh, all going to yeah, work okay. together huh. so maybe it, maybe you can she i i paid i i also paid like zero attention to i saw like oh team pink pink team one day too like i don't even i so if you if your team wins then like 30 people from that team will get three game the top three games on their wish list huh. for free which is nice no that's cool i don't know there's like a whole bunch of trutherism going on in this in this article <laughs> trutherism <laughs> Yeah. Wow. It's like truth and conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories and tin hats and UFOs and Roswell. And so I guess they're accusing Valve of rigging it, but why would Valve rig it? Because then that's going to discourage people from buying more. Uh, and I, you know, this is why we can't have nice things. Uh, it's, it's really what it comes down to. Not that, not that this really is a nice thing. This but, is why we can't have gamified sales, for one thing, because yeah. if you do something like this, then people are going to figure out a way to rig it, or at least yeah. try to. I don't know that they succeeded. It seems from this article that they didn't necessarily succeed, but or there's no proof that they, that they did, because 
in order to quote unquote succeed at this, you have to buy a whole lot of games to be on the winning team. And then your prize is winning more free games. That seems kind of like a dubious. It's like, what's going to be left on your wish list after that? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe you should spend that time playing some of those games. Oh boy, I won Hannah Montana and (laughs) iCarly. Hooray. Well, Steve, you did put those at the top of your I, wish I did. list. So. I do. I, I do, you know, have a soft spot for Miley. What can I say? Yeah. But <laughs> Fair but, enough. So, no judgment. Yeah. Well, you know, this is a safe space. But um, and, and then the other weird thing about so we were so we were just talking about early access and kind of the weird thing that's going on with the sale also is that first of all, these early access games are in the sale. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because the whole I, my understanding, like I understand the idea of early access in in theory, like you're it's kind of the equivalent of a kickstarter without a kickstarter like i'm going to raise some money to help me finish development of the game so i'm going to give people who are really hardcore want to play it and know that there are going to be bugs and whatever access to the game early for full price and then they can help me beta test it and everything will be everything will be good but so there was this kind of gamer angst yahtzee that that came out uh, with the Steam sale, where there's a well, first of all, there are games included in the Steam sale, which is just kind of weird. Like, so these early access games are getting discounted in the Steam sale, but the whole point of it is for them to raise money for dedicated people right. to beta test the game. So why are you letting people in for less, and then on a sale, and then are those people going to be giving you the kind of feedback that you want? Are those the kinds of people you want alpha testing your game? I don't know. It, it seems to me as a, as a game developer, that's it's, it's a hard thing for me to wrap my mind around. I mean, because you have a flawed product that's going to be coming out. There are going to be bugs. I mean, I've run into bugs with Basebound, which I've been, I've been playing and it, it just doesn't seem like a good testing methodology. It seems like you kind of want to refine things before giving it to the public. And, you know, a Steam sale is not, you know, that's not bringing your game, your friends in to say like, hey, help me test my game. Like this is, this is the forefront. This is basically putting in the store, you know, so it, 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 it feels really gross to me, to be honest. Yeah, and it's not like people who are like really excited about your game. It's like, oh, I saw Starbound on the front page for thirty three percent off. I'll buy that. And they may not even. I mean, maybe they know that it's early access. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't even. I mean, we have a a mutual friend who was looking at some games uh, during the sale, and there was one that she was looking at, and we had to, you know, say, hey, just so you know, this is early access, and it's probably not finished, and you may not want to be dealing with yeah, that right now. Yeah. Well, on that topic, Bree, didn't you buy Starbound and also DayZ, which I think DayZ is still in early access as well. And they're both bad games. I mean, DayZ is. <laughs> DayZ. It, it offends me as someone that does 3D work professionally. Like, I understand that there's so much that a small team can do. And, I mean, I look at, like, say, a Mass Effect, and I I understand the teams that made the static meshes and the level design, and there's there's simply no way the small team can create large amount of content like that. But I look at it, and it's just lazy. I mean, it's it's bad work, like, not even within the, the limits of what an indie team can do. Um, the lighting is bad, the textures are muddy, the rigs are bad, it just... 
it's... I don't want to say I feel ripped off, but I wish I'd waited until I saw the whole product to buy it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> but but I mean it does say on the on the you know on the Daisy page when you when you first go to look at it, warning this game is early access alpha, please do not purchase it unless you want to actively support development of the game and are prepared to handle with serious issues and possible interruptions of the game. Right. Does anyone yeah, does anyone read Steve, that? I don't think anyone no, reads nobody that. Reads that. <laughs> nobody reads anymore. We just don't click okay, silly. give me my game. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, where's that? Click that green purchase button. It's it's staring right at me. It's yeah. glowing green. Yeah, I can't even read the text is like, you know, they're giving me the story. I'm like, let's just get to the game. <laughs> I play games, Steve. I don't read text. Yeah. I play games. Yeah. Reading is for book nerds. <laughs> I often will spend money on experiences to have information as a developer. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're going to release on Steam eventually. I have never participated in this. And it's one of those things I spent money on just to have literacy about. You know, and also, like, somebody cool is, like, raving about it. It seems like a good a good concept. So... I don't know. I feel like maybe it has a, a place, but not in a Steam sale. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what I think, too. And it's like, I, I don't understand. I mean, I bought, what was it? Delver's Drop, I think, at, at PAX. Because I played the game in a demo, and then if I pre-ordered it, they gave me an alpha and whatever. And it, you know, and and it's I played it when I got home for a few minutes, and it's it's definitely early alpha, and I'm excited about the game, but you know, I'll wait however long to play it. But it's it's like if you're going to be doing that, you shouldn't be putting it on the front page of Steam and saying, "Hey, everybody, come on in," and not really saying what you know, saying that that's that that's going on. I don't think, mo I mean, I think that early access is known enough now that a lot of people should know what it is, but those people may not be the people who are going into steam twice a year yeah. because everything's on sale. And I'm going to get a whole bunch of cheap games that I'm not going to play for, for three months. Well, the yeah. problem is, is if you release a game that's early access and it's really early access, you get, you know, the kind of press that you can get from people, that word of mouth can be so negative that no one's going to want to pick up the game yeah. by the time that it's actually fixed up. And I think that that's the worry that you can come into when you choose to release it open to a large group of people, especially when it's going to be on Steam and they might be a younger audience or they might not be really acknowledging what or acknowledge, have, have the knowledge of what that means. And so if you get a whole bunch of bad press, you might not be able to have an easy time recovering from it yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I really agree with that. I mean, we've been very careful about waiting until the game is in a really good state to show it to people. And when we do show things to press, it's in a very polished state. Um, you know, right. before PAX East, we're working crunch, like polishing lighting, like showing mm -hmm. the best thing that we can show to people. And, right. you know, we're in a market where you're so overwhelmed with gaming choices and you know mm -hmm. small studios like mine i just think if you're not going to be saying or showing the very best version of your game i think you're kind of wasting people's time i think the reason why this is happening though is because devs are running out of money right yeah. and they think that going and releasing their alpha and getting a quick burst of cash even if it comes with bad press is gonna help them finish having enough money to make the rest of the game yeah. 
I mean, we talked recently about Double Fine doing something like that by raising enough money to kickstart the first half of a game, but they had intended to ha- raise enough money to kickstart all of it, mm. but it ended up costing twice as much as they thought. And they used the sales money from the first half of the game to make the second half, yeah. which still hasn't come out so far as I know. And that that's essentially, in a much smaller scale, what these developers are trying to do with their alphas. But as Georgia said, bad press can destroy that plan maybe people don't buy enough copies of your game for you to even be able to afford to make the version of it that you wanted to maybe it starts to feel less and less worth it to do so and walking away seems easier if you're not legally or contractually obligated to stick around i don't know but it i agree brie it's it's not a good direction i'm just not really sure what the solution is to that so maddie you made a lot of people a lot of people uh, happy and cheerful this week huh i did i loved your piece <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I, I, I mean, too. obviously not. You know, I'm a. I'm. You know, I don't know any of this stuff is going on, other than yeah. you know hearing you tell it. Like as a normal, uh, I don't well, know about normal. Let me just recap super fast. Okay, so games journalism is a field that pays very very low, and even when you're a staff writer at a video game website, your pay is generally very very low. I feel like that's something that's commonly known, but for whatever reason, it's not. And usually most of the games freelancers that you know, like me, might go through patches of time where they freelance full time, but then go back to getting contract work doing something else to supplement that income or get different part time jobs to supplement that income. That's what I've been doing for about a year now, basically doing different contract work that tends to pay more than games journalism does and doing games journalism on the side, even though it doesn't pay very well, but because I like to do it. And I think a lot about why I like to do it even when it's very unrewarding. And I wrote a piece about that and mentioned some experiences that I had had in games journalism that made me think, wow, this is incredibly unrewarding. And um, yeah, so people, I think, I would definitely say that the majority of people's response to the piece was support because a lot of people are on my quote unquote side of this in the sense that they freelance either in games journalism or or in indie development. I had a lot of indie developers tell me that they felt similarly about this, this idea of working on spec for a very long time for very low pay and potentially getting a job or a lot of money at the end of it, but probably not. Um, that That is something that's true in a lot of creative industries. I don't think it's special for games journalists at all. It's not. It's very normal. Um, but in journalism specifically, uh, in the past decade or so since the internet we really haven't figured out how to monetize journalism in an effective way mm-hmm. video games yeah. have kind of figured out some tools for that but journalism really hasn't and um, mainstream print media doesn't tend to want to pay games journalists because video games aren't necessarily considered something that mainstream print media would want to cover so even the publications that have a lot of money often aren't that interested in covering games and when they do they might be kind of wishy-washy about who they allow to do it and so that that's that's part of it but also journalism in general doesn't have any money games journalism or normal journalism so yeah that's that's what i wrote about and a lot of freelancers were on my side and a whole lot of editors were not yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what we outnumber them so. so what was the the title of your piece was powerful games journalist men i've met you know you were talking about some of your experiences like you talked about someone that kind of laughed in your face about 
the publication which you write for, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I write for Paste, which I should, I mean, I should note, like our listeners know, Paste Magazine is not known for being a mainstream video game publication. Yeah. It's an offbeat, alt-weekly type of publication. Mm -hmm. um, we put out a PDF version of a magazine every month. It used to be a print magazine. It isn't anymore. It's just online now. And I write for the gaming section. Right. So I don't write for a video game website. I write for a print publication that has video game coverage. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's not the same as writing for IGN or Giant Bomb or Joystick or like any number of other more mainstream publications that I could But do. it was the haughtiness of that experience that, you know, when I read it, I really felt for you emotionally. I mean, yeah, I, I've been on the other side of that, granted on a different part of the industry, but... It's not just because you're my friend. You're describing a situation in the industry that I've certainly felt, that there are these kind of watchdogs at the gate of you know, certain institutions, whether it's Polygon or IGN or you know, Giant Bomb. And you know, I like people that work at all those sites, but you're out there doing your work and you kind of see them kind of you see these, you know, what you call, quote, powerful games journalism men, all caps for all those words, and how it can be kind of clickish and they can be kind of dismissive. And I've certainly been on the other side of that as an indie games, you know, indie game developer. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's this sense from people who succeeded, which tend to be men in our industry, that they've succeeded because they worked hard enough and, and that there's some component of it of luck, but you kind of convince yourself after you succeed that you deserved it because you have to. Otherwise, you'll lose your mind probably. Right. But but the unfortunate side effect of that, I think, is that you start to see the people below you as not working hard enough and not deserving what you have. Mm -hmm. Because in games journalism, at least, there are just so few seats at the table right. that if you don't tell yourself that you deserve to be at the table, then it's it's like paralyzing and you don't know how you can go on with that knowledge, I, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. so, so as a result of that, I see from a lot of usually men in power and journalism saying stuff like, well, I worked really hard and that's how I came to be here. And you also need to just work really hard. And, and I, I, I just, I don't know, I guess I just want to stress that a lot of these hiring decisions behind closed doors, I know are made based on who you're friends with mm -hmm. and right. who fits in with you and who the game people mm -hmm. feel like they can have a beer with. I mean, yeah. The, yeah. this kind of thing is very hard to prove because it's very easy for people to say, oh, you didn't get the job because you didn't have the right experience right. or, oh, you know, you didn't get the job because you caused drama on Twitter or whatever. But that, I mean, it's like, well, what's the drama? What What is the thing that I say that that's bothering right. you? And like, what do you mean? I don't have enough experience. I have a ton of journalism experience. Yeah. And, and I, but, but it's really hard to even get those conversations to happen. By writing this post, I basically, I can afford to write it because I'm in a position at this point where I've got a pretty good part-time job and I really like working for Paste and my boss there is very cool. And I was like, I can afford to call these people out because I didn't even name names, really. Mm -hmm. I, I named a couple of names that I knew wouldn't matter, but I didn't name the names of people who I was like, I might conceivably try to work for these people, but it's probably not going to happen because every example in the post is a situation where I'm like, oh, these are people who have indicated to me in one way or another that they don't actually want me there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Maddie, something I read about your piece that really, really hit me. And 
it was where you were talking about how because an aspect of what you do write about and comment about is is you know gender stuff and how they were kind of dismissive about you calling you you know the the person that writes about gender stuff very dismissively and that that really hit close to home for me because you know as a developer I mostly see myself as a very competent, awesome developer that's doing cool stuff. But since entering this industry, I have much stronger opinions about my own equality that I didn't have in, you know, 2009. 2009, Brianna would not agree with 2014, Brianna, on a lot of things. So what I really read into your piece was, um, I couldn't help but notice sometimes, like when we talk about you know, topics on this show that do have to do with gender that you're sometimes a little reticent to, to talk about that. Am I, am I misreading that? Like, is it a worry that you're gonna be further characterized that way? What's weird about that comment to me is that I feel like I write about not that a lot. I write about, I write news posts, I write reviews, I write editorials that have nothing to do with quote unquote gender stuff. And I mean, I said in the piece, I don't even know how to combat that assumption. Hmm. Because it's like, I write from the perspective of a woman because I am one. And that's not something I can change. So I that part is not going to go away. And, and I think there's this sense that, like, that is a different part of me. And therefore, that's something that is highlighted by default. Because it's different. And even if I don't talk about it, the fact that I am a woman is already something that stands out in some negative way, which is very silly and, and not something I can do anything about again. Right, because being a guy in the field is quote-unquote normal and the default, so it's not exceptional, so you never see guys writing about what it's like to be a guy in games because it's, like, not weird. <laughs> but I'm still waiting for Steve to write that piece because Steve, we're waiting. Well, I'm we a guy, but I'm not in games, so it's uh, you know, it's a little bit different. I could write about being a guy, but I don't know that that's. <laughs> hey, you're on the Isometric Podcast. You are yeah. a budding video game journalist, sir. Uh, whether I, you I have, to be or not. I, I will tell you, I have gone down that road in my early days, and I, I don't. I'm I'm fine. Very happy where I am right now. Thank you very much. We when I, when I was out of college, we tried to do that, and it was it didn't. We tried to do our own site. It didn't go very well. So because basically all of us knew how to write, but nobody actually knew how to run a business. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people end up in that position, but some of them succeed and they become something bigger, like Idle Thumbs or Rock Paper Shotgun or yeah, any number of m- smaller or mid-level media properties that started out as just a bunch of guys and became something big. But very rarely are those organizations just a bunch of guys and girls or just a bunch of girls. It's just not, it's not necessarily something that happens or when it does happen, it isn't seen the same way. Can I, can I ask you a personal question? And yeah, if we want to edit this out, that's fine. But does it, (laughs) does, does it, does it make you uncomfortable when people read a piece like this about you and, you know, express concern for you. Because when I read your Twitter, sometimes it's like you write this piece and you're very open and you're a bit vulnerable. And I see you very quick to kind of say like, no, no, I'm fine. I don't need your charity. I'm fine. Like that's, that's part of you. I don't really understand. 
I think that is a reflection of how rapidly people swoop in to want to save me. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a form of condescension that Twitter can provide very, very quickly. Yeah. And that I, I do think tends to happen to women more often than guys. And usually it's guys mm-hmm. who will show up and be like, Oh my gosh, Maddie, I want to, I want to rescue you from all this. Let me take you away. Like, let me take you away with my incredible insight. I don't know anything about games journalism, but I have a whole lot of thoughts for you, Maddie Myers. (laughs) And like, just, just that kind of response, it comes from a place of caring, but it's also a weird thing that happens when you write things on the internet. And Brie, I know you know about this and Georgia, I'm sure you do too where people think they know you mm-hmm. and they talk to you as though they right. do in a way that can be very unsettling when you have no clue who they who are. They are. Yeah. Yeah. And they remember every tweet they've ever sent you and to them it's an ongoing conversation. But to me, I got hundreds of mentions yeah. You yeah. Know, per hour and I don't remember what they said and there's no ongoing conversation on my end. Yeah. And so they're speaking very familiarly. And I, I have to put up this wall of distance and say, um, no, actually, you don't actually know every single detail about my life. You know, the few that I chose to share with you, and that's all. And I'm fine, and I don't need a random person that I don't know to offer me emotional support, because that's really inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> but um, behind closed doors with friends, like on Gchat, or wherever, like I had lunch with a friend today and talked to them about it. It's like, I have a support system, you know? Um, And that's really important for stuff like this, working in an industry that's difficult. And I'm, I know you all know about that too. Like you got to have people who you can actually vent to. Mm -hmm. I think for me in my position, I have been stunned, stunned by how much, dealing with harassment has become my job as head of a game studio. I had somebody that wrote a spam bot last week to do nothing but send me insults and threats. Um, oh my God. I I don't understand what I'm doing to get this kind of heat. Um, it's, I really understand. You're not them. doing anything. Yeah. You're not, it's not, you're I, not I mean, doing yeah, anything. It's the problem is the problem is that the internet makes it very. There's there's mm-hmm. a few really disturbed people online, mm-hmm. and those people would never have come into contact you with you before. But now, because everybody can talk to everybody, now you get a few psychopaths who have nothing but time on their hands. Who you know, it may not be anything that you're doing. It may just be that you just that you happen to trigger something in their head, and now all of a sudden they're you know. Yeah. Off to the races yeah. too, well, and I- you would you never would have seen them if you were just in Boston on you know offline, and they were in Topeka or whatever, and then it just so happens that now you're exposed, you know, you're able to be connected through these weak ties, and now you can you you have the ability to you know step in the wrong place, and then all of a sudden the landmine goes off. But that's the problem with anonymity, right? These are people that don't have to actually, they can say anything, do anything, and there's, they can hide. You're out there and you don't have that opportunity to hide 
whereas they can attack without ha ever having to deal with any retribution. Yeah. We've had a whole bunch of like, you know, on iMore every once in a while, I'll get like a whole bunch. Renee at one point had to just ban my name <laughs> because oh. I'd get all these like rude comments or like body part comments or like really? just stuff that was like wildly inappropriate. Yeah. And I remember I used to, I, I don't do it anymore. I just don't have the time. But every once in a while, I would like just write back to them because we have your email address. <laughs> Anyways, so I'd write back to them and I, they thought that they were anonymous. And I'd say, listen, you know, what was up with this comment? Why did you say it? Like, was I really that horrible when I did, you know, X, Y, and Z? And, you know, sometimes they just didn't answer. They were probably in shock. But sometimes they'd go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I, you know, was I had a hard day and I did this and that. It's because people are anonymous that they can get away with doing such cruel or horrific things. And because we're out there, they don't see us as people. Yeah. When mm -hmm. you become like, you know, the same thing for, for Justin Bieber, he doesn't become a person. He becomes this caricature of himself, which is okay to trash and harass because we don't actually see that there's a person there, but there actually is a person that cares and has feelings and they're real. And though you think of them as this... Uh, you know, amalgamous, like, you know, caricature, they're real behind it. And, you know, people trashing you hurts no matter how tough and strong. They, and people don't like to hear things that make them uncomfortable, which is also something that you bring to light something that people, you know, a dark, dirty secret that no one wants to look at. Yeah. And unless you're someone that's going through it, you don't see it. You don't see it. You can't really understand, say, uh, racism versus black people unless you're black. Like yeah. you can see it and you can maybe understand it a little, but you don't really get it. And so yeah. for people yeah. that like, you know, for you, Maddie, speaking about, you know, girls and journalism and also, you know, the differences between, you know, sites that have a huge popularity and swing and a lot of power versus sites that are starting up and that are moving or that maybe are more indie and have, you know, different audiences, you know, there definitely is a big difference, but if you're not on the inside of knowing it, you really don't see it and you don't want to see it. Yeah. It's like those dark, dirt, dark, dirty secrets. I think that's really yeah. well said. I, I just want to give a quick shout out. I know Zoe Quinn has done a lot of work on the harassment scene in particular, and I don't know if her talk at GDC is available, but she interviewed a lot of trolls. Huh. Like she did a call out on Twitter. Ooh, really? Like, hey, if you used to be a troll, contact me, talk to me. Ooh, and, I love um, that. Yeah, so she did this talk at GDC, one of the micro talks about her findings. And um, what she found was pretty similar to what you found, Georgia, which is that trolls, the people who had trolled, by which I mean people who pretended to be angry for fun, because they thought it was fun to do that, to make fun of somebody or pretend to have a viewpoint that they didn't necessarily have, uh, that kind of trolling. Um, they would They would do this, but not really think about the fact that there was a human on the other end. Mm -hmm. um, and they would they would kind of see people as caricatures and just funny, like cartoon characters. And part of that is like an Internet problem for sure. But it's it's also like they said that what helped them to stop was getting friends who told them that it wasn't appropriate. Right. And so some of it was growing out of it, but a lot of it was accountability. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. we don't have accountability for that kind of thing online. We say things like, oh, it's just the internet. Harassment yeah. really doesn't matter here. It's just a joke. Get over it. You're oversensitive. I mean, I hear that stuff a billion yeah. times a day. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's real. You can mm -hmm. get cyber stalked. You can get For the doxed. person that's on the other side, it's scary. Yeah. It can be yeah. really yeah. frightening to have yeah, someone that has, seems to have, because you don't know who they are. You really don't know who they are. For a really long time, I actually didn't put out my last name for that exact. I was like, you know what? I just want to, 
I, I, I don't have to deal. I don't have to worry about that. I want to be able to go to sleep and just relax and not have to kind of deal with that <laughs> so that I can just go to sleep and not worry about what might be being said or if someone's going to, like, you know, stalk me or find me or do anything like that. So it is a real thing that, you know, especially being female, <laughs> um, it, you know, you're at bigger risk. You're just statistically at a greater risk than guys are. So they don't really get that you might be someone else might have already had a really horrible experience. You yeah, know, definitely. And that might have triggered them to hear you say something similar yeah. that might have really happened. And you might have just said it because, you know, you were having some beers and you thought it was kind of funny and you're just like, ah, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do this to you and then that to you and like, ha, 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 and then press send and you don't even remember it. Right, and someone right. else might be having nightmares about it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you often don't really know what the effect that you can have. Yeah. Uh, we're much more powerful than we really believe. Yeah, I guess I would just say, like, think about what you're saying to people before you say it, whether it's something that's like creepily over familiar <laughs> in my case or the opposite, which is not treating me like a human to the other extreme. I think they're both kind of creepy, like it both circles back around to creepy in the end, you know, yeah. like whether the guy or sometimes girl is being too nice to the point where I'm like, whoa, I don't know who you are. <laughs> or whether they're just like physically threatening me or threatening to find out my address or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, it's like either way, either way, I'm not a human to them. I'm yeah. a facsimile of what they think their friend is. Huh. And I don't know. I don't know how we fix that really, but it's a real problem. I think as people get more educated, um, and truly understand the effects of that. And again, our, our, you know, the internet is such a new thing that we really are learning the, the consequences and boundaries of what we do. And, you know, the internet is forever and all kinds of things like that. We're kind of in the wild west of the internet right now. And it's slowly going to become something where they're going to get more, you know, stalking laws and cyber stalking laws and stuff. And, and yeah. you have to be careful if you're going to, you know, say mean things to Maddie because <laughs> soon she was going to have her cybernetics. Yeah. And then she really will be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I will. Hologram me is going to stalk you. And <laughs> they might just, like just that. Please, just please don't start wearing Google Glass, Manny. Just please. I won't. I, I think Google yeah. Glass looks I, cool. I, I do. Bree, oh, no. I do. Oh, Bree. No, Bree. 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 Bree, this isn't Bree. on the topics list. I'm not prepared for this argument right now. But no, Google Glass doesn't look cool. Okay. Google Glass makes you look Note to like... self, annoy Maddie with fake Google Glass. No, oh don't God. do it. <laughs> no, I just... Me I, I, signifies like out of touch, rich, Silicon Valley guy. <laughs> like that's what that signifies to me and it's gonna be too hard for me to break that signifier i think i i, I just i every time i see someone wearing google glass i think of scoble in the shower and then that's the end of it <laughs> that's so. so funny i love that, fi that oh. picture well i i want to thank you for writing that piece maddie and you know i just I, I really appreciate the honesty of your voice and i appreciate how open you are so thank you mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and and it's it's i just want to add one more one more thing that I just because I read this and I think that it's good for people to read it. There was an article that Arthur Chu put out today. Arthur Chu, the the Jeopardy guy, about it was titled uh, "Who Died and Made You Khaleesi," and it's about so-called male feminists and people who are male feminists, but are using that as a way to you know take advantage of of women who work for them and stuff like that. It's just a really great piece, hmm. and I think everyone should read it because mm. it really it it really kind of hit me and talks about how you really can't. You really, from a male perspective, can't 
understand what's going on and can't start to help things until you felt some of that pain yourself and kind of put yourself in that position. It's, it's mm-hmm. a fantastic read. I'll link it in the show notes. It's a fantastic article and it's, it's really worth reading. Do I end on a happy note today with some of the games we're Yay. playing? Yeah. Yes. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. This is a heavy one. <laughs> it, was, it was one third heavy one. The rest yeah. of it was very light, I think. Yeah. Okay, wait. I want to hear about George's yeah. traumatic experience. Yeah. Can we get that? Yeah, out we've, of the got way? Sure. we've got to. Sure. <laughs> okay, so um, I, I told my husband I wanted to get a scary game. Um, because I want to play a scary game. So he's like, I'm at work and he's out on, uh, on, he's, he's smiling at me right now because he's so excited. He actually videotaped me trying to play this game. Oh. Um, and so he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. He, I got a game for you. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, you know, let's go, let's play. And then he's like, okay, but let's play it downstairs where the arcade is. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and then I'm playing the game and I'm reading as like, it's loading up. I'm reading its reviews and the reviews are like, this is the game that made me crap my pants. Whoa. And I was so scared. Um, I almost had a heart attack and I almost <laughs> died playing this game. So I'm already like, already getting a little bit like, oh God, like, uh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> And then he starts turning off all the lights. We're in the downstairs, by the way. And so we're in the downstairs. He turns off all the lights. He sticks the hues on red in the upstairs. So all I have is this faint red glow to the only area of safety that I have in the home. And then the game starts. And the game is Outlast. Oh. Which- <laughs> you know what? I got, I, got this, I got this for the PS4 with PS Plus, And I look, took one look at it. And I just said, nope, nope, nope. I totally no way. I totally no hear you. This game is, I so I, <laughs> the I wasn't game, sure if you were going uh, there, going there, or going to one of the Amnesia games because that was the other one. Yeah, that, I that really was my other thought. But yeah, Outlast. That makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, I, I started playing the game. You drive. You drive. You're driving down this like really scary kind of sketchy hill to an asylum, and I'm a psychotherapist. Like this is already like ah, uh, mm, I don't know about this. And so I start playing, and then you walk around, and the first thing that it tells you pretty much is you are no hero, you are no fighter. Your only way to survive is to run, hide, not be seen, and try to videotape all these horrors so you can document it. And then I'm thinking like, why would I do this at night? Like if I'm going to do any of this stuff, I'm going to do it during the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the game gives you no option for daytime view. And then he's setting up the game, of course, to play so that, like, the person in the picture is as dark as it can be, but you can still see the outline. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Make them really bright. That's true. And he's like, no, 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 you got to do this right. And I'm like, I don't know if I can. So I'm playing down this game. We go into this creepy asylum. I'm freaking out already. It, I almost had a panic attack just trying to get in to the building. I didn't even start the game. I see some flash of, of some sort of phantom thing. I don't even know if I actually saw it. It was actually in the game or I'm just now <laughs> seeing things. Wow. I'm starting to panic and breathe quickly. I get into this asylum that the way to get in isn't like a door. Sorry, I'm, I'm not, this is just at the beginning of the game, so it's not really a spoiler. But like Massive you have to spoiler. climb, sorry, yeah, there's huge a door. spoilers. There's a door, you can't get in a door. You have to climb up so you can never get back out. I'm like, I would just jump through the window and kill myself. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'll take the risk to get out of this game. And we're playing. And so, like, we see all this blood splatter. And now I'm starting to freak out. And then I go into this room, which I didn't want to go into, but there's no other choice. I go into this room. I read this file. I go back out. And there's suddenly bloody footprints in the blood splatter. And now I start to panic. I'm freaking out. I go into one my first room where there's someone actually in it. I'm hiding for the entire time, way longer than the game needs. Climb into some air shaft. Get out. I go into my first room. <laughs> 
into my first room, some sort of a light, I don't know what happens, the door slams shut, my, my, the rumble pack starts rumbling, I throw the rumble pack, I scream, I had to actually turn off the wow. game. I wow. didn't even encounter a person. <laughs> disappointed in me he was oh. just totally and utterly he says you know what you have to do this again he goes you have to you have to at least encounter a human being before you stop the game and i'm like i maybe at daytime i don't know so yeah. i'm i'm probably gonna have to play a little bit more of the game but that was my my really freaky experience it was really scary so everyone tweet out let me know if you finished out last if you outlasted out last because can I give you the Brianna um, version of the same story? So please, I booted please. up and yeah. I'm like, okay, so I know the people that did PR <laughs> for this game. Let's do this. Boot it up and I'm walking there. I'm like, oh, that computer is, they really didn't use a very good poly count here. <laughs> And then I walked I around it. to where you're crawling up towards it. the window. I'm like, oh, look at that UV seam there. How could they be so lazy <laughs> to do that? Oh my God. And then I oh, crawl up the scaffolding. I'm like, oh, they wanted to cheat a draw call through this window. What a what a bad. <laughs> so I'm just picking it apart technically. And I had the same thing that happened. And they jump out. And I'm like, yeah, they just didn't want to use a very complex mesh right there. So <laughs> it's like a completely different experience. That is, that is, uh, that is horror. That is, I could imagine that. We that had would a be different experience of horror with this game than I did. <laughs> it's well done. It's well done. Well, Georgia, just be yeah. glad that you don't have an Oculus Rift. Oh my God! Yeah. I I might have I might have needed depends at the end of that. Really, I'm not even kidding. It was. It might not have been a pretty scene in my home. Because I do, I scream, I yell. I look. I'm I'm a well trained martial artist, but I I have a very strong, you know, scream freak out factor. I I do. So it might not have been good. We've got to get Oculus as a sponsor of the show now, so they like, so we can make Georgia crazy. I mean, we have to. Do that. <laughs> it's a short. It's a short ride. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't sound like she has to play Atlas for that long before she's done. <laughs> can anyone talk that? I might. Can anyone come close? No? There's no, no. way. No. This is it. No. That was like the most perfect segment on the show, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> My panic recounting. and trauma. Yeah, and then Breeze, Breeze like just, it wasn't even traumatic. She she was traumatized, but by like, you know, ugly but It was well done. Mapping. It was well done. I just, I'm picking <laughs> apart their good work. So. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that's such a great way to engage with a game though Brie I'm envious that you can do that <laughs> like I will pick apart a game but I can't pick it apart from that particular perspective so I just think that's really cool cool ruined whatever you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you played Metroid 2 this week did you continue doing that who me yeah um no I played Civilization 5 <gasps> <laughs> uh yeah, so I didn't play any games besides Civilization V all week. Yeah, I'm I love really those sorry, games, everybody. Or for the rest no, of your life. No, but that's a great. That's a. I love those games. <laughs> oh, those are that's so good. That great. Game is really good. Yeah, Sim- I ha- actually have never played a single Civilization game before. I hadn't either. I know. Yeah. Wild, big chunk of game canon missing from my library, um, but I had a copy of Civilization V left over from like a prior Steam sale, just languishing in my library, and. Um, on Saturday, my boyfriend was like, this is the day we're going to play Civ Five together. This is supposed to be a great game for couples to play together. What? We're going to do this. There's no motion sickness danger here. Um, we can play it cooperatively, <laughs> be on the no same team. There's no motion sickness danger here. There is not. There is not. This is a big component of our relationship. My boyfriend can't play that. Borderlands with me. You have to get him oh. to try the ginger thing. 
I will. I will. I'll okay. report back as soon as we're done playing Civ <laughs> Five for the rest. So I guess of our if lives. you get tired of the game and just don't want to stop playing, you just pick up the laptop and just start shaking it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do that evil. anyway. Um, so, so we played through all the tutorials of Civ Five, taught ourselves how to play, did all of that together. It was really great. We had to go to a party together. We went to the party for like an hour, and then we looked at each other and we were like, "We want to play more Civ Five." <laughs> I'm not joking. It was amazing. This is why I know I'm dating the right guy. So then we were like, okay, we're, we got to go, everybody. We can't say why. We just have to Genghis go. Genghis Khan is attacking and he needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And and, and everyone thinks Napoleon. that you guys are, are about to get all romantic. And no. there you are playing Civ Five. You were getting romantic, <laughs> but about Civ Five. All, so can I tell you a true story about Civ Five? This is this is this is the most embarrassing thing I can tell you about myself. So I wake up on Saturday and I want to do nothing but play Civ 5. And this is back when I had my 20 2012 MacBook Pro. So I sit there on my couch and we all know how Civ goes. Like you boot it up, you're like I'm just going to play for an hour and then boom, it's night, right? <laughs> so I do this, I play I play Civ 5, and I'm like, wow, my laptop is getting really, really hot. And I just kind of move it around, and I don't really think about it, because I'm so engaged in my game. And I get up at the end of the night, when I finally go, I've got to get some food or do something. <laughs> and I have created a third-degree burn on my leg, oh where, my the, where the vent was just blowing oh on my, my leg all day long. And it turns into this huge blistered scar. So I literally have across the top of my thigh, like this inch long scar from playing Civ 5. Wow, that's dedication. That's dedication, Brie. Isn't it? But you guys know what it's like. Like you just lose... Yeah, all concept of anything. So. It's it's called a flow experience. Yeah, Some, uh, no, really, it is. There's a psy- psychologist that that studies flow experiences, and you lose all time time and space. Uh, Chicksmahalia, he kind of goes through that, and that's what you had. Wow. Yeah, jo- Jay McGonagall talks about that in her book a lot too. So anyway, <laughs> do you have scars from playing Civ Five yet? Who me? No, I yeah. don't have any scars. Only okay. social scars from leaving a party to play Civ Five. <laughs> you're not. You're not a meal. true. You're not a true fan. Then, yeah. if yeah. they were, if it was a really good party, they would have had Civ Five set up for you, so you could have played. I know. Party. I know. Why didn't they have that at the restaurant? I mean, come on. Every restaurant should have Civ Five. Every bar. Restaurants would be a lot better if you could play Civ Five while you're waiting for your food to come up. Yeah. If you if you had an Oculus Rift, you could play Civ Five while you were at the restaurant. No one would know. Maybe they'll put out uh, <laughs> Civ Five for Google Glass. Free <laughs> <I can> just... <laughs> uh, so, or Steve, go. All right, go, go, so go. I I always go last, so I I want to go third this time. But do it. Go so for it. I got so I got my PlayStation Four. I unboxed it, <gasps> and so Ooh. I've played a little bit of Resogun, which with the ship Ooh. editor is fantastic. I was playing as the planet as the uh, what is it, the Planet Express from Futurama. As the as my ship, and they have like the Normandy and X wings and all kinds of like awesome things that you can download for ships. But I so of course the first thing that I buy when I get my PlayStation Four is Transistor. So despite Bree's warnings and uh, you know w- waving me off of it, and I actually played through the whole thing over the wow. last week, and I. Not going to tell you how to feel, Bree, but I think no, no, I understand. No. I know I think I understand why you didn't like it. Okay. Because it's you didn't play Bastion, right? No, I didn't. Okay, so that's that's part of it. I think that 
the story is. I don't, do we don't we don't need to go into what it is again, do we? If you go go back and listen three weeks ago to when Bree was talking about Transistor, but it's it's from Supergiant who did Bastion. Uh, it's kind of action RPG, kind of turn based, kind of weird that way. The combat and it's it's a short game. I think it's only like four hours that it took me to play it, and it takes most of that time to actually ramp up and the story get interesting. Hmm. So it's like the pacing's not great. And there's a something a li- the combat gets really interesting once you get to the end of the game too because you get all these functions and you can put them into one of slots and you can either use it as an active slot which is like the uh, you know one of the face buttons or you can use it as an upgrade for one of those for one of those moves or you can use it a- as a passive slot which will like increase your damage or it'll there's one that called help that will let you g- just like get a super move one every four times and stuff like that. So it gets interesting, but you have to get a lot of those and you have to unlock a lot of those slots before that gets interesting. And what I found is that by the time that I got to that point, like the game was over. So (laughs) it's uh, so that was a little bit unfortunate. And the story also kind of their their shtick is that they kind of drag you along and they don't like kind of like lost where they don't they just something weird's going on, but they don't really fill it in. And then they fill in like everything in the last hour, and then all of a sudden the game's over. And hmm. I, 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 I kind of somewhat enjoyed it while I was playing it, but I enjoyed it more like after I was finished with it, which is kind of weird. Like after huh. I figured out how all the pieces were coming together and I understood the whole story, like it it hit me a lot more than when I was actually playing through it. Hmm. But it's not as good as Bastion is is where I'm trying to get to. It was okay. fun for me, and I, I don't know that I'm going to go through like another round of like new game plus or whatever. But uh, unless, you know, I mean, I want to play mercenary Kings at least a little bit before, uh, before tower fall and, uh, and strider come out next week on PlayStation plus, which I am super duper excited about. <laughs> I think transistors worth playing. If you like bastion, I don't think it was as good as bastion though. And, hmm. and I can definitely see there are a lot of flaws in it that bastion didn't have, but I, I thought it was, it was a good game, you know, in retrospect, but you had to kind of play through the whole thing to feel that way, I think. I feel like it's it's my narrative preferences, but there are a lot of people in indie game dev that kind of have this this quality to the kind of stories they like to tell. And it's to me it comes across as like, I have an idea and this idea must be shared with the world. And like just the idea is good enough. And to me, this is a good example of that because the 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 narrative is very, very, very disjointed and kind yeah. of esoteric. Um, for me, like what attracts me to narrative is looking at the very best films, the very best books, and kind of looking at how you bring characters forward and, and introduce them and tell an arc and make everything I do is very much thinking about the audience, like. In Rev 60, there's not anything that's more than three sentences in a row of a character speaking that's very deliberate. So it it may just be this kind of narrative. It's not something I enjoy. It it, it seems like it sparked something in you, and that's that's great. Yeah, and I mean, I I liked how they took advantage of like how the the sword talks and then it lights up, and then the light on the back of the PlayStation 4 controller lights up with it, and Mm -hmm. you can turn it on so that it's talking to you through the controller speaker. So it's little touches like that, but. I can I can definitely tell that that's not the type of narrative that you go for, and that yeah. it's it strings you along a little bit too long, 
before it starts filling in the details and, and making you care about it. So it's cool. I could definitely see, you know, if you're not if if you don't have that kind of level of trust from having played through Bastion and knowing that they're going somewhere with it, I could totally see giving up on it after like an hour. Huh. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't play anything this week except my own game because we're shipping <laughs> this week. So I wish I had something to say. I played a little Watchdogs. I I played my own game for the millionth time through, which really gets old if you make a game, by the way. <laughs> but very cool that you are like almost at the end of, of yeah. this part. So that's very you, you sweet. realize I'm gonna have to send you guys a copy because yeah. like especially now that we're on five by five, um, you know, we're gonna you guys are gonna have to play it and we're gonna have to have an episode about it. Bree, yeah. I wanna buy it with my money so that you can get a day one <laughs> sale boost. I well, wanna I wanna be part of your statistics. You can do both. You can do both. I'll send I'm gonna you a test do flight. it. I'm gonna right. buy it. Okay. All right. Can I can I give you guys a copy of it this week and you can would love. Play it. We'll talk about it on some show. I would love to play oh. it. Oh, I'm so excited to play it. But it's gonna be awkward if we have a disagreement. Like, I hate this game. <laughs> I hate this game. <laughs> I feel like there's no way that I can hate it because I'm so biased in your favor right? at this point. I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna hear every character's like. We hear Holiday speaking with your voice, and I'm gonna be like, "It's Bree. She's a space captain in the future. <laughs> She's my friend." And it's oh, that's great. so cute. People tell me that, like, they when they know me, they're like. This is really weird because, like, I feel like it's it's like playing a game, but it's you. So. <laughs> that sounds amazing to me. I, I yeah, never really yeah. felt that way. If it makes you feel any better playing through it, Brie, really? I, no, well, I, I think she's hurt. I mean, do you feel I like I identify with Minuet a lot because she's like the commander and is kind I of can, ruthless. I can I can see that. Yeah. In you, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would be I, hurt if you you didn't offer. So you better now. You have to. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Look, I know that those charts on the Apple Store really matter, and I'm yeah. going to help. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to buy you. 20 copies. I don't Thank know if you, that actually Maddie. works. No, I'm just kidding. I can't afford to buy 20 copies. Please don't make me buy 20 copies. I'm going to buy one copy. Yeah. <laughs> I Hey, hey, I can afford hey. to buy a copy. There we All go. Right. So, guys, like, there's a chance this show might be on 5x5 five five next week. If it's not, Steve's going to have to edit a bunch I'm, of stuff I'm going to have to edit yeah. so much anyway, it yeah. doesn't even matter. You might want Debris to say it again without the 5x5, five right. five, just in case it's we have to wait a week, and then you can still mention your game and that everyone's going to, we're going to test it out and stuff. I think right. it's way funnier if Steve has to put the Mario coin effect over. I would love that. Every Actually, single time Bree says 5x5, five five, it's like, ding, We're going to make Steve have to do six hours of work. If I have to do that, it's going to be something way ruder than a Mario coin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Steve is going to okay. get carpal tunnel editing the show. I'm so It'll, sorry, Steve. My daughter's yeah. going to come downstairs. Daddy, what are those words that you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you still there? You've been there for six hours. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, a panda, so it's a panda making its panda noise. Aw, what does a panda oh. even do? It's just it crunches eats bamboo. its bamboo. <laughs> It's a bamboo crunch. Uh, wait, wait. I think it'd be like something like maybe I don't know. Uh... <laughs> That's awful. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Stop doing that. Oh my god! What happened to us? What is going on with the show? The show has officially jumped the shark. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. Before we before we get ourselves canceled, before we even get anywhere, let's. Uh, you can you can visit you can find all the links that we talked about this week at isometricshow.com. You can go ahead and send us uh, feedback to 
feedback at isometricshow.com or you can tweet the show at isometricshow. And uh, if you are, would be so kind as to go into iTunes and leave a review for the show, it would really be appreciated. We actually found ourselves a new and noteworthy on Games and Hobbies for a little while yeah. this week, which was kind of awesome. Yeah. So, awesome. Uh, you know, that stuff makes a difference. So if you guys can yeah. do that, that would... Thank that you would, for your support. Yeah, like the, definitely. The, the review I, I read last week about our show, it, it's, you know, you guys really put some thought into some of those reviews. I personally appreciate they that. They were yeah. amazing. Whoever yeah. we paid to write that review, like... <laughs> Can we get them to do it again? That was, it was, it was a real, I was very touched. Like I was really yeah. very touched by that review. Yeah, so it was yeah, pretty it was amazing. Genuine. Was, it really seemed like a real person <laughs> it wrote it. It seemed genuine. <laughs> I love that. I, yeah, it did though. It was amazing. Uh, uh, all right. So, all right. so uh, you can find me on, on Twitter. I'm at Wicked Good and Brie, where can people find you? The Insane Asylum. That's <laughs> well, clearly. You'll find me. She's on Outlast. Criticizing the textures of the walls. That's where Brie will be. <laughs> I'm Space Cat Gal. And Maddie, where can people find you? I'm Samus Clone on Twitter. And Georgia, where, where should people look for you? At Georgia underscore Dow. All right. Thank you uh, very much for listening. And uh, we will catch you next week. Have a great one. <laughs>